We watch that video because 1 Timothy chapter 2 is going to encourage us to pray for our leaders. So we're talking about prayer today. Find 1 Timothy, if you will, in your Bibles. Joshua and his team will have it on our screens also in just a minute. We're talking about prayer. Our theme, we're studying 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy. This is our, every Sunday we'll be in 1 Timothy. Our series is called Don't Throw in the Towel. So we got our boxing bag over here. We got the boxing ring theme. We're not going to quit. Paul is writing to a young preacher. His name's Timothy. Timothy has been left to be the pastor in the church in Ephesus. And he's writing this letter. The whole first chapter that we've studied has been to encourage this young preacher. And so now we're getting into chapter 2, and he's going to talk about how the church should function. How, what's the conduct of the church? How, how should the church do church? And so the next several weeks, we'll be talking uh, just about how the conduct of the church. Next Sunday, uh, you'll have some good preaching to listen to. Next Sunday at the 830 service, Carl Burnt will be preaching. He's preaching today at Somerville Baptist Church, filling in. So pray for Carl and Holly and Maddie as they're preaching today. And then next Sunday at 1030, Gary Gearhart, uh, retired pastor at First Baptist. He'll be here preaching at 1030. Our family's going over to Winston-Salem Church that we were there for seven years. We went to seminary there at Southeastern while we were there and finished up. And then God called us from Stanleyville Baptist, First Baptist Stanleyville, to here at Ridgeview. So we've been gone for almost 17 years, and they've invited us to come back and be preached homecoming. And so we're going to go over there next Sunday and preach homecoming to those folks and look forward to seeing folks we ain't seen in years. And so we'll be back with you then in two weeks. We'll be back and work. in two weeks from today, we're having Upward Soccer Celebration. So on that Saturday, October the 1st, it's our last games. And then on Sunday, October the 2nd, we're going to celebrate our season. And so we're inviting all of the soccer players to wear your jerseys, all the volunteers to wear your shirts. If you're playing football this fall, wear your jerseys. If you're playing traveling ball, volleyball, softball, baseball, wear your jerseys. We're going to make it team day. You adults can wear your favorite jerseys. That's fine. You can wear the UT, Alabama, whatever you want to wear. And we're going to celebrate team on that day on October the 2nd. And so three weeks from today, we will get back into 1 Timothy. And three weeks from today, we'll be talking about the role of men and women in the church. And he's going to address the function of the church and the important roles that men and women both have in the church. And so we look forward to that. I want to welcome our guest. This is... National Back to Church Sunday. And so we've been encouraging folks to come back with us. We, we miss folks who've not been able to be here and they've been sick or with COVID. And we welcome new folks back here today. So we have guests here today. Thank you. Uh, we have some soccer families here. I hope there's some garage sale folks here. We had a garage sale this weekend where my wife and Mindy, they did all the work. And so uh, my granddaughter, Andy, she would hand an invite card for the church. It's a great thing. If you're going to do a garage sale, get a stack of cards and invite people to the church. And so it was really cool. We got to meet our community. They came to our house and we got to give them an invite to the church. And I was hoping there'd be some here today. So if you came because you was at our garage sale, uh, it's a surprise. I'm the preacher. All right. <laughs> Jen said, you're not telling people you're the preacher. And I said, no, I'm not. And so one lady came through, she had on a mask, she was an older lady. And if you're here today, I'm talking about you, I'm glad you're here, okay? But she came through and she said, uh, Ridgeview Baptist. She said, when I lived over in the valley, that's a church I used to go to. She said, but 
we moved on this side, and I've not been able to go to church for taking care of my husband. And, and she said, you know what? I just love that preacher there. <laughs> I hadn't shaved, and I had a hat on, and my glasses. And so Mindy's over here just dying laughing because I'm just playing along, you know. That's great, man. You, you know, we'll be praying for your husband. And I wish I, wish I had thought this is what I would have said because she didn't recognize who I was. I wish I would have said this. You know, my wife loves that preacher down there, too. <laughs> That's what I wish I would have said. Jen said, that lady would have left there thinking, what did he mean by that? I wanted so. so if you're here today and that's you, uh, surprise, I'm the preacher, by the way, all right? So thank you for being here today. We're so glad you're here. Guest, we have a gift for you as you leave there at our Welcome Center. And I'm thankful for our Welcome Team. They're, they're here and we're starting some new things and I'm thankful for them. Well, let's dive into God's Word. We're talking about prayer today. Don't throw in the towel of prayer. You're going to see in the bulletin that the deacons, we have deacon election in two weeks. And so we're asking you to prayerfully nominate seven men and to pray. But the deacons have invited you to join them before the 1030 service after Sunday school to gather over in the prayer room. It's over there. It's called the green room. So you're invited to join them as they pray, gather to pray for the church, for the deacon nomination. Before our 8.30 service, there's a group that will meet over there about 8.15, and they'll gather to pray. And so you're welcome to join them. We had a great group at our early service. The number they gave me was 89. We had a good turnout. And so they're making room for you to invite folks to come to this service. And so thank you so much for inviting folks to come. And so we're talking the importance of prayer. If you look here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the first seven verses is what our focus is going to be on. And we're just going to study together. This is a beautiful passage, and I, I'm not even going to get close to cover just all the stuff that's in this passage. I hope you'll take it and read it this week. I hope you'll go on and read chapter 3 while you're reading, because that's going to give you the qualifications of deacons. And we'll be talking about that as we think about deacon election. And so just look there, and, and this week study these verses, because... There's such, there's, there's theology and doctrine in this passage that we're not even going to touch the surface. Just a great passage. But notice Paul as he starts here. He says, therefore I exhort. So that's the word encourage. So he's encouraging Timothy and he's encouraging the church. And here's what he's encouraging them. He says, I exhort or encourage first of all. He puts a priority on what we're getting ready to talk about. He says to the church. This is an important part of how the church should function. This is what should be a priority for the church. So he's going to say, first of all, and he's going to talk about prayer. Church, a priority for us should be prayer. We've said before, when we gather together as a corporate body of believers, there are certain things that should always take place. There should always be reading of the scripture. I've been to services where they never opened the Bible. I don't know how you call that church if you're not in God's word. We always want to have scripture reading, and we always want to be a people of prayer. We always want to be people who are praying. And so Jesus said, he said, my house is to be a house of what? Prayer. Uh, the people of God, we should pray when we come together. And he says to them, prayer should be a priority. That that should be a priority for us that we pray, not only as a body of believers, but also as individuals. We should Make it a priority that we are praying. So he says, first of all, that supplications, prayers, 
intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. The word be made there is in the present. It's, it means continually. It means an ongoing. And it's, we don't just pray for for things once that we continue to pray, we continue to make priority a prayer a priority. And so he tells us there we're to pray for all men. We'll come back to that. The word all you're going to find several times in this passage. And it's going to be our outline as we study together. But he says we should pray for all men. And then he tells us who those are. Specifically who we should pray for. For kings and all who are in authority. That's why we watched the video that we watched. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What's before that line and after is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's good and acceptable when we pray. It pleases God when we pray for all men. It pleases God when we pray for those in authority. It pray, pleases God when we pray for those who are lost and pray for one another. It pleases God. It also pleases God. Look in verse 4. So, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There's that all again. We pray for all men. God desires all men to repent. He desires them to be saved. Verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator. You heard Patrick reading the great passage in Hebrew. One in Hebrews, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. What a wonderful passage. We're thinking here a beautiful passage about Jesus as our mediator. We'll talk about that in a minute. But notice he's the man Christ Jesus. And what did he do for us? Verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all. To be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And I am speaking the truth. The word truth is in there several times. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Back in chapter 1 when we studied verse 15. He said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. He says again I'm speaking truth in Christ and I'm not lying. This is the word of God. This is the authority of God. We have God's word and this is, we can, we can know that this is a faithful saying. Now, before we study, I want us to pray together. And as we think about prayer, since this message is on prayer, think about this thing called prayer. Jesus taught us how to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray. We want to pray like you do. And so that's really the prayer of all of us today. We all are saying to Jesus, teach us to pray. So when we think about prayer, th think about the posture of prayer. When you were a little child, and, and you may do this now if you're a Sunday school teacher, you may say, okay, fold your hands together, put your hands together, and bow your heads, little boys and girls. Okay? So as an adult, maybe we think that's the posture for prayer is we put our hands together and we bow our heads and close our eyes. Now, there's nothing wrong if that's how you pray. That's fine. But really think about it. We probably did that for little kids so they would keep their hands here and not be hitting their friends, right? I mean, that's probably why we do that. Okay, the scripture talks about a lot of posture of our prayer. It talks about bowing our heads. Verse 8 of this chapter, it says, lifted hands, holy hands, we pray. It talks about kneeling. When you think about kneeling before the king, we, we kneel, the posture of kneeling. 
We can pray with our eyes opened. We can pray driving down Stone Drive, which is a, a good idea to do. You pray going down Stone Drive. But please open your eyes. I mean, I think some of the people don't open their eyes on Stone Drive. But you pray in this class before I take the test. I can pray on the campus. I can pray on my job while I'm working. A, a challenge, one challenge would be maybe when you're driving to school, or maybe when you drive to work, or maybe you're drive to, to, to the store or wherever you're going, instead of listening to the radio or to that podcast, what if you, you maybe in the morning you took that time just to talk to God and to pray? What if at night after the kids have been put down to bed, you just take a few moments and, and just talk? If your mind wonders when you pray, maybe you need to write your prayers. Maybe you try, you, you try journaling. And just write your prayers. And you can look back then and see how God answered prayers. Maybe journaling is for you. Maybe praying out loud is for you. Maybe that will help you stay on track when you're talking to God. And, and you just want to walk out in the yard. Or you want to take a, a walk out in the neighborhood. And you're just talking to God. And so we're thinking of prayer and the importance of prayer. Paul says, first of all. He says, church, we're going to talk about how you should function. And first of all, prayer should be a priority. That, that we gather to pray. And so we're going to pray together and I'm going to guide you. He said there was four comp components of prayer. He talks about supplications. He talks about prayers. He talks about intercessions and he talks about giving of thanks. And so supplications, that's when we ask of God the needs that we have. Maybe your need is forgiveness today. Maybe there's some sin in your life as a child of God and your need is forgiveness. Maybe your need is healing Maybe your need is wisdom, what your need is. Maybe you have a physical need. Ask our daily bread. So we're, we're, we're supplicating, we're asking him for the things we need. That's one of the things we'll pray for. We'll take a moment to pray for. And then this word prayers is just the, the general word of us communicating with God. Just talking to him, worshiping him. Just, just, just worshiping him for who he is and just this moment of communicating and listening. And then we have the understanding of when we intercede. That's when you pray for the king, for our president. That's when you pray for the, the Congress and the House. That's when you pray for our local leaders. That's when you pray for the military. That's when you pray for our missionaries. That's when you pray for your family. That's when you pray for your friends. That's when you pray for the church and your pastors. That's when you pray for the lost. We're, we're interceding. We're praying for others. And then we're going to give thanks. So would you just, uh, would you close your eyes here for a moment? I want to guide you through a time of prayer. I know this may seem uncomfortable, but our focus is prayer today. So I want to take a few moments and even there, thank you for joining us on our live stream there in your home. Would you just take time to join us in this, this focused prayer? Would you take just a moment and offer up supplication. What is the need that you have? Would you just ask God right now, what is it that you're needing in your life? Do you have a decision to make? Is it wisdom? Is there forgiveness that's needed? Grace, patience. What is it that you need? Is it something physical that you need? Is it healing? Lord, may you hear our prayers as we are offering up our needs to you. We offer them up to you because you are faithful, God, and we know that you are faithful to meet our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, 
We acknowledge that you're Almighty God, and so thank you for hearing our prayers. You hear each prayer. We pray to you individually. We pray to you as a body. We have needs as a church. We, we have needs, Lord, that you are faithful to meet, and we thank you. We thank you. Now, take a moment and just offer up an adoration. Just offer up, just praise to him. To guide us in this, I'm going to read a, a, part, a portion of Psalms 108. And prayer can include scripture as part of your prayer. This is part of our prayer as you are praying right there and just worshiping him in your prayers. Here's our our prayer together. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O oh Lord, among the peoples. And I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your mercy is great above the heavens and your truth reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O oh God, above the heavens and your glory above all the earth that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. Thank you for being faithful, God. Now we're going to intercede. Who is it that you need to pray for today? He says we should pray for the king. We should pray for our president. doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat. We're to pray and respect for the office that God has set aside. And we're to pray for the government. We're to pray for those who are in authority. We pray for our first responders and and those who are in the military and our missionaries and our medical and those who are lost. Pray for our teachers. Pray for our students. Pray for the, the ministry, all that's taking place. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for your enemy. Pray for all men, he said. So intercede now. As you're praying, pray for Kenny's family. Kenny Cuthrell, his grandfather. Kenneth Miller passed away. Pray for Kenny's mom and his family. Pray for Israel's family. As he's there even now in Fort Worth and Dallas at his dad's funeral, going to be singing there. Pray for Israel and his family. Pray for Andrea's dad's in the hospital. Pray for Isabel as she continues to, to gain weight and improve. Be with Jeanette and Sue and, and Ada and others who've had procedures and who have issues. Lord, that needs healing. Would you pray for these people? We intercede. Would you pray for that one that you know that's lost? And would you pray for them? Now, lastly, would you give thanks? Would you thank Jesus for something he's done for you? Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've given our church. You have been so gracious. Thank you for the, the ministry, Lord, of Upward Soccer. Lord, thank you for the children. Lord, at the early service, we were just thanking you for the sound of life as, as baby Hayes was, as was, was just was talking during the service. What a wonderful sound to hear the sound of life, to, to know down below us there's the preschool and the, the children's church. We're thankful for the sound of life for children. Lord, the sound of future for our church. You've been gracious to us, sending young families. Thank you, Lord. You've sent us folks like the Arbos, Lord, next week's their third anniversary of being here ministering. Thank you for Patrick and Jennifer and, Lord, their ministry. Lord, thank you for our worship team and our tech team and our, our welcome team and all the folks working on campus and 
our weekday preschool, and Lord, just all the work that's taken place. Thank you for our deacons and teachers and just everyone serving. Thank you, Lord. We give you thanks for being faithful, God. We thank you for being at work in our lives. We thank you for the blessings. And Lord, all of this prayer we offered up in the name of Jesus, who we will celebrate today as we study your word. Teach us now as we study in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Now let's dive into God's word. I grew up with ACTS. That's what I kind of grew up with to guide my prayers. So A is to adoration. I'm, I'm going to praise him when I, when, I pray, when I pray. Jesus said, our Father which art in heaven. There, there's a time of praise. We praise him. And then Acts. So the C is to confess. I confess my sins. I confess where I failed. And then the T is thanksgiving. Giving thanks. And then the S is for supplication, praying for my needs and the needs of others. And so help, help find you a guide to help you in your prayer, the importance of prayer. Let's go back to 1 Timothy and let's dive in and talk about for our time together about the things that God is teaching us about prayer. The first thing is that God desires prayer for all. Look there again in verse 1 and 2. I exhort that, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. You can underline the word all if you like to write in your Bible. Who does that include? Kings, those in authority. Now think about who's the king, who's, the, who's Caesar, who's the one that's in charge, Nero. Nero is killing Christians. He will be instrumental in Paul's death. But yet Paul says to them, pray for the king, pray for the leader. It doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat or independent or whatever you are. Whoever the president is, whoever the leaders in Congress and, and the representatives and all that stuff, we're to pray for them. Can you say amen? amen? We're to pray for them out of respect for the office. And we're to pray. The government, their responsibility, what God set the government of, it, the government is set up and instituted that they will protect the good. They are to do good. Now, we need to pray for our nation and for our leadership because sometimes they don't do good. They promote evil, like abortion. And so let us pray that they will do good, that they will lead our nation to repent of evil. And so what we're asking of the government, what we're praying for the government, is that they don't know God, that they would come to Christ. We pray for our government that they would provide a peaceable place for us to live out our faith, for us to be able to worship. That's why I'm thankful for America. We have freedom to worship. And so we pray that they will continue to provide us a place that is peaceable. A place for us to worship. doesn't matter what you think about the government. You're still to pray for them. You're to pray that they will do good. We're not asking favors for the government as the people of God. We just want a land, a nation where we can be free. We have brothers and sisters in Christ around this world who do not live in a place where they have freedom. They are losing their lives for their faith. Let us pray for our brothers and sisters. Let us pray for all men. It is a priority that we pray for all people. That means our friends and our enemies. Uh, that means those who are in authority. That means those who are saved, our brothers and sisters, and those who are unsaved. There's an understanding in this passage that Paul is really encouraging us to pray for those who are lost. We're going to spend 
part of our time talking about the gospel. And he says to them, we need to be praying for all men because God desires all men to be saved. So we need to be praying for all people that they come to the knowledge of truth. And so we are to be a people of prayer, praying for all people. So thinking about prayer, thinking about the importance of prayer, praying for all people. That means everyone. Uh, focus your prayers on all people. For those even in other nations. For those people that we may not even like, we are to pray for all men. Not only do we see that God desires all to pray, but second of all, God desires peace with all. Look there again in verse 2. He says, we're doing this, we're praying so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life with all godliness and reverence. God desires that his people are a peaceful people. That we are at peace with all. Now let me say from the beginning, we will never compromise truth so that we can be at peace. The word of God is our authority. If it ever gets to the place where we have to go against what the law of the land is because of the word of God, then that's the people we will be. Amen? Amen. That's the people we will be. Our loyalty is to God first and then to our nation. But as long as we can... We are to be a people who are leading a quiet and peaceful life. We should be the people in our community who are peaceful people. If you have a problem with your neighbor, the Holy Spirit will encourage you today. You need to make amends with your neighbor. You need to be living at peace. Look in, uh, look in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Just a passage to remind us. That God desires that we're at peace with all. Here's the thing. When we're at peace with God, we're at peace with him. His desire is, is that we would be at peace with those around us. If there's something between you and a brother or sister, God's word makes it very clear. You're to go and to restore that relationship. Before, whenever we have Lord's Supper, before you take of the Lord's Supper, you're to restore relationships. If you are a brother or sister, you're on the outs, you're mad at each other, the Holy Spirit will convict you that you're to be living a peaceful life. You're to be at peace. And this is what it says in Romans 12. Look what it says in verse 17 and 18. Repay no one evil for evil. We've already talked about that. Having regard for good things in the sight of all men... If it is possible, there's the compromise. We'll never compromise our principles. We'll never compromise the truth of God's word. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. God desires peace with all. He desires that we are a people who are living peaceably. He desires us being a people who are in our community, who are living out our faith. We should be blameless. We got some discussion about this at the garage sale as people were coming through and we was getting them an invite card to the church. And when you give them an invite card to the church, you begin to hear their stories. You know, why they're not going to church and what this happened and that happened and this one did this and that preacher did this. And you hear those stories. We're to be a people who are living peaceably in our community and when they look at our lives, 
we point them to Jesus. When we get into chapter 3, he's going to say about pastors, we're to be blameless. He's going to say about deacons, you should be above reproach. You should be blameless in the sense of that when the community looks at us, when they look at me, they should see a man who's blameless. Not perfect. Now hear me, man, I am far from perfect, but I strive to be blameless. I try to be one who pays my bills. I try to be one who respects my neighbor. I try to be one who helps when I can. Why? Because I'm called to be a pastor to a higher level that I should be blameless in this community. That when they look at me, they see a man who's trying to be peaceable in this community. I'm not a troublemaker. I'm not a gossip. I'm not trying to stir up problems. If that's you, then you're not living peacefully and you need to repent of that. And you need to say, God, help me to be peacefully, to live peaceably among this community. We need to be a people who are at peace with all men as much as depends on us. We will never compromise, but we are to be a people who are living peaceably. When they look at us, they see Jesus. Not only should pastors and deacons be blameless, but all believers should be blameless. They should know that we're followers of Christ, how we live our lives. I told the senior adults, and I want to thank the senior adults. They, they wrote cards for Church Hill Intermediate School, all the teachers and staff. And I just want to thank our senior adults on our Tuesday morning Bible study. They did that last week. And I just thank you, senior adults, for doing that. And we were talking about blameless. And I told them, one of the things I always hated to do was to sell a car to somebody. And I would always tell that person when I sell them a car, hey, if that car breaks up, breaks down, just come back and I'll give you your money back. Okay. Because a couple of hundred dollars, that's usually what my cars cost. With a couple hundred dollars, I would rather give them that money back than to any way to bring shame upon my testimony. That's a garage sale. Man, People are nuts. Let me tell you that. We had 50 cents on. We had, she had 50 cents on this pan. It was her grandmother's pan. It was, it was bent a little bit. You know, it was like a lady came. She said, this is bent. So I just straightened it. You know, I just bent it. She said, will you take a quarter for it? Is that just 50 cents? Man, garage sale people are nuts. Let me tell you. I wanted just to say to her, you can have it. But I said, yeah, quarter's good, man. That's great. <laughs> we need to be blameless at work, at school, in your neighborhood. If, you, if you've got an issue with your neighbor, make amends today. Restore that relationship. Whatever that means. Don't compromise on your principles. Don't compromise on the word of God. But we are to be a people who are living above reproach, who are... Peace, peaceable with all. Third thing here, notice we get to the really good part here. God desires repentance for all. He desires repentance from all. Back in 1 Timothy, go back there in 1 Timothy with me. Notice this great passage that we're studying. There's so, it's such a beautiful thing here as we look at this passage. It's so beautiful. He talks here about how God desires that all will repent. Verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The first thing this reminds us of is God desires all men to repent. He desires repentance for all. So that means we share the gospel with all. Okay? It doesn't matter where you are theologically about salvation. There's different things and we, we're all really together, really closer then we recognize wherever you're, you're in different views about, you know, salvation, 
But here's the bottom line. It doesn't matter where you fall. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. Can you say amen? amen. We share the gospel with everyone. Okay. God says, I desire, oh, I want, I want repentance from all. So we share the gospel with all. The second thing we need to understand is, make sure you understand what this says. God desires all men to be saved. It doesn't say God desires that men, uh, he will, all men will be saved. Okay. Here's the understanding. Everyone will not be saved. There are many who reject the knowledge of the truth. He says here that they will, he desires that they will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There are many that will reject the gospel and they will not be saved. They reject the knowledge of the truth. They reject the knowledge of the truth that we're getting ready to talk about, about that Jesus is our only mediator. They reject that. Hell is being enlarged because so many choose the wide road instead of the narrow road. They, they choose to reject the gospel. But that doesn't change God's desire. In Ezekiel chapter 33, if you, if you want to turn there, or I'll just read it to you. Ezekiel 33, let me read you a passage. It says this in verse 11. Let me find it. 33, 11. Say to, him, say to them as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? God's word tells us God does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He desires them to repent. He desires them to turn. But this is not a universalist teaching. Not everybody is going to heaven. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ, only those who repent of their sins are going to heaven. And that's teaching us here as we talk about in 1 Timothy about the mediator. Go back to 1 Timothy. He talks about here, I desire all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the knowledge of the truth? That there's one God and he's provided one mediator. And that mediator is the man Christ Jesus. You see, here's a mediator. Think about it. A mediator is one who comes between two parties trying to reconcile them. And in the book of Job, listen to what Job says in the book of Job chapter 9. He's there and he's talking with his friends and he says in verse 32, For he, God, is not a man as I am that I may answer him and that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. Job says, there ain't nobody between me and God. He's not a man. We can't go to court together. I wish there was somebody between us. And Paul comes along and he says, hey, Job, there was somebody. There is somebody and his name's Jesus. You see, here's the story of the gospel. God is holy God. He created mankind. He created Adam and Eve. He put them in a garden. And he told them they could eat all the trees except this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. They chose to disobey God. They chose to rebel against God. And when they rebelled against God, sin entered into the world. Sin became a wall between man, mankind, men and women, boys and girls and young people. Now we're separated from a holy God because of our sin. Here we are lost in our sin. We've rebelled against a holy God. Now... Mankind tries to figure it out. How can I get past this wall? I still want to go to heaven. How do I get there? So if I go to church enough, will that tear the wall down? No. If I'm a good person, will that get me to heaven? No. If I get baptized, will that get me to heaven? No. If I give my money, will that get me to heaven? No. If I keep the Ten Commandments, will that get me to heaven? No. Here we are, lost, helpless, hopeless, deserving of hell, separated from God. Here's a holy God. 
holy God who loves us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So a loving heavenly father knew that we were separated and couldn't do anything about it. So he sent his son Jesus, the mediator. And Jesus came and he tore that wall down. He came between a holy God and a sinful mankind. Now recognize God loves us. It wasn't God up there mad and mean. No, God loves us. He sent the mediator. And the mediator came and he went to the cross and he died for our sins. The penalty of our sins. That's what it says in the passage. He gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He's a ransom. He paid so that we who were slaves in sin could be set free. So our mediator takes the hand of God. He is God. Jesus is fully God. And he's fully man. Isn't that a great term? The man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the mediator. He's fully God and he's fully human. So he can reach out a nail scarred hand to us. And he's God. He's got hands with the holy God. He's one with God. And so he says, through me, you can be restored with your creator. You can be restored with the holy God. If you will repent of your sins, if you will believe in me that I died for you and rose again, if you will take this hand extended to you, this hand of grace and mercy, if you will accept it, believing and repenting, then you can be restored. Our mediator. Aren't you thankful that Jesus stood in the middle, he stood in the gap, and he's our mediator? Can you say amen? I mean, here he is. He reaches a hand connects us with our creator. He reaches a hand. He died for us and rose again so that if we believe and we repent, he can be saved. So it says here, listen, he desires that all will repent. He desires that all will repent. If you're here today and you're lost, if you're listening online and you're lost, there's a hand reaching out to you that will restore that will bring back together that which has been separated. Only the blood of Christ can tear the wall down that separates us from God. If you're here today or listening online and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is working in your life, the knowledge of the truth, the truth that you're a sinner, the truth that Jesus died for your sins. John 14, 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus, only through the cross can we be saved. He's the mediator. And so you, if the knowledge of the truth has been spoken into your blinded mind and your blinded eyes and you hear the truth of who Jesus is and you're a sinner, today will you receive that truth? Will you let the light of the gospel shine into your heart? Will you repent of your sins? Will you believe and have faith in Jesus Christ and accept and receive him as Lord and Savior? Would you do that today? Or will you reject it and remain lost in your sins, bound for hell, and eternally separated from God? Our prayer as a people of God is that today will be your day when you surrender to Jesus and you repent. God's desire is that all would come to Christ. Notice lastly in this passage, and we're going to close, Paul says, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Those who are preachers in this group here today, there was a lot at the first service who were preachers. If you're here and you've been appointed... You have a high calling to preach the gospel. 
Carl's preaching the gospel today. Dustin's preaching over here at First Baptist, the gospel. We've got Brian up here at the, the Bancroft camp preaching the gospel. We've we got, we got Steve preaching the gospel on Tuesday. We've got Kent down here at Circle C down here preaching the gospel. These men were appointed. Patrick's appointed. You preachers are appointed. But here's the thing I want you to hear. Those of us who are preachers, we were called. But everyone who's a believer, you've been commissioned. You've been commissioned to go make disciples. This scripture reminds us that we're to be a people of prayer, praying for those who are lost. Let's commit today. I'm going to pray for that lost man, that lost woman, that lost teenager that I go to school with, my neighbor. I'm going to pray for them. And then I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to share the gospel with them. I'm, going to, I'm commissioned to take the gospel and to speak truth in their lives, speaking truth in love. The story, this beautiful gospel story that Jesus came to be mediator. I'm going to take that and share this week. For those who are lost, and I encourage you to come and be saved today if the Holy Spirit's convicting you. And may all of us as the people of God be living a life of peace. May we be peacemakers and may we be people who are peaceable in the world that we live in that will draw others to Christ. Will you stand with me? Will you bow your heads with me? This is our invitation. This will close our time together. There's going to be some music playing. I'll be here at the front. Patrick's at the front. For our members, for our attendees, for our guests, you're invited to come to this altar. If you want to come and pray for someone you know that's lost, we invite you to do that. If you want to come for church membership, we invite you to do that. If you want to come for baptism, if you're coming for salvation, you come and say, Preacher, I know that I'm lost. I, I see the knowledge of the truth today. I, I want to be saved. I want to repent of my sins and be saved. Then we'll be glad to sit down with you and talk to you about the gospel. Lord, take this time and use it for your purpose. We are believing that you are wanting to do a great work in lives today. Thank you that you're our mediator. Lord, you mediate for us even now. You pray for us. You intercede for us. And we thank you. Take these few moments and use it for your purpose, we pray in the name of Jesus. Just keep your heads bowed, if you will, so you won't be distracted by any movement, by anything going on. and So you can listen as God's speaking to you. Would you come? Would you come? Maybe you're coming to have someone to pray for you. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and you need somebody to intercede for you. And we invite you to come. Maybe God's put somebody on your heart that you want to come pray for. We invite you to come. Sometimes our physical posture helps us to reflect a posture in our heart. Every time before I come out here in this pulpit, I get on my knees in my office or in some location. And I just say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. There's a kneeling. There's a yielding. There's a surrender. Sometimes we just need to be on our knees. If you're lost today, even there in your home, would you kneel down next to your couch there and just, just ask Jesus right now. Just repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you. Tell him that you believe he died for you. And he rose again. You surrender your life to him. Would you believe the knowledge of the truth today? Please don't reject it. Please don't reject it. Church, God desires all men to be saved. Desires repentance for all, from all. Would you pray for those you know that are lost? Would you?
Well, if you'll look up this way, thank you for being here today. Guest, we are so glad that you are here. Uh, take time this week to let Jennifer and, and Patrick know how much you appreciate them and the kids. Next Sunday, the 25th, he came, they came three years ago. They're finishing up their third year, and we're so glad you're here. I'm thankful to serve with you guys. Me and Jen are so proud to serve with you guys. Let them know this week. Hey, just send them a text. Say, man, I'm praying for you. Appreciate you. And so just let them know. In your bulletin today at 5 o'clock is Bible drill. Sharon and Melinda, you'd love to have them, wouldn't you? You got, you got uh, some boys. You'd love to have some girls. So meet right over there in the Smiley Center at 5 o'clock. That's 4th, 5th, and 6th graders. You'll learn the books of the Bible. You'll learn scripture, memorize verses. You're going to have a great time. So be part of that. Notice uh, your children's church. Your kids will be downstairs. Don't forget to pick them up. We love your kids, but uh, we don't want to take them to lunch with us. All right? So uh, don't forget to pick up your kids. Thank you for letting them be part of our children's church. That's every first and third Sunday, but not the first Sunday in October because it's team day. We're going to be up here celebrating. And so uh, be praying about the, the deacon nomination and uh, just look at all the other stuff going on there. Be part of those things. Come join us on Wednesday for Esther study. And share Jesus without fear class. And then on Tuesday, our senior adult Bible study. Great things going on for the kids and the youth. Upward soccer on Thursdays and Saturdays. Weekday preschool on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I love seeing our church serving our community. And I'm proud to be your pastor. And John's our deacon of the week. He's also our chairman. Come on up, John. You're going to close us in prayer. Travis will be our chairman next year. So thank you for serving this year, and uh, you guys be praying about our deacon nomination, all right? I'll be up front. I have a birthday card if you're a preschooler or a student for a free ice cream from Dairy Cup. We appreciate their partnership with us. Come see me. I'll be up front. If you're a guest, I would love to meet you, or if you have a question for me, please come up and talk to us. All right, John, you come ahead. Thank you. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come into your house and worship you. Lord, we just ask you to help us to always be mindful of your sovereignty. Lord, we just ask you to help us to always acknowledge that you are mediating for us on our behalf. Lord, we just ask you to help us to be witnesses as we go. We ask you, Lord, to protect us till we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.